0: I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks so much for joining us. We're tuned into to KB Community Radio. The time is 7.59 and 37 seconds right there on the dot. Coming up next is Sojourner Truth. Positively Revolting is off this week, but we'll be back soon. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certifications requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Meetings will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The Events Committee meets the third Thursday of each month at 6 p.m. Please call 503-231-8032 to verify if a meeting is being held.
1: KBOO Community Radio is hiring a morning news and public affairs director to manage the morning news and public affairs programming and to train and supervise volunteers. For this full-time position, we're looking for someone with proven experience in audio production, management, and supervisory skills with volunteers, with an emphasis on teamwork in a collaborative setting, and the ability to work under strict deadlines. Kebu Community Radio is an equal opportunity and affirmative action employer. People of color and women are encouraged to apply. The deadline to apply is Monday, July 1st at midnight. More information can be found at kebu.fm/employment.
2: Welcome to Sojourner True. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Danny Glover joins us to give his thoughts on his recent trip to Haiti. An update on Haiti. Starting on Sunday, June 9th, there have been massive protests across the country, followed by national strikes on Monday and Tuesday. Protesters took a pause on Wednesday, but they are hitting the streets again today, Thursday, and Friday. They pledge to continue their protests until the U.S.-backed Haitian President Jovenel Moïse steps down. He is accused of corruption, and some officials in his government have been implicated in the Tonton Makut-style series of massacres that have hit communities opposed to his government. Haiti has always symbolized black liberation and has a history of inspiring rebellion in the United States and throughout the Caribbean region. We discuss all of this with our guest, Danny Glover. And similar to Haiti, people in Honduras are rising up against their U.S. backed president, Juan Orlando Hernandez. His election was highly controversial and is reported to have been a stolen election with the blessing of the United States. President Hernández is an ally of Donald Trump. The recent round of protests in Honduras have been against the privatization of education and medical services. Meanwhile, there is grinding poverty in Honduras and the level of repression against those who oppose the 2009 coup against democratically elected President Manuel Zelaya have continued. After Haiti, Honduras is the second most impoverished country in the Americas. Hondurans fleeing violence and extreme poverty have participated in migrant caravans attempting to seek asylum in the United States, only to be rebuffed first by the United States. And now the government of Mexico, under pressure from the U.S., have sent 6,000 of its National Guard to Mexico's southern border. Our guest is Annie Bird of Rights Action. For our weekly Earth Watch, we're joined by Lucy Sherratt to discuss the spread of contamination of genetically modified organisms. Specifically, she will discuss issues relating to genetic engineering in food and farming.
0: President Donald Trump says if a foreign power offered dirt on his 2020 opponent, he'd be open to accepting it and he'd have no obligation to call in the FBI. Trump spoke to ABC's George Stephanopoulos. I've seen a
3: lot
4: of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life, I don't, you don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office, you do whatever. Al you know. Gore got a stolen briefing book. He called
2: the FBI. Well, that's different. A stolen briefing book. This, isn't a sto- this is somebody that said, we have
3: information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't
2: the work FBI that way. The FBI director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong.
0: Several of Trump's Democratic opponents in the 2020 race, including Senators Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Kirsten Gillibrand, and former Representative Beto O'Rourke, repeated their calls to begin impeachment hearings in the wake of Trump's latest remarks. Two oil tankers near the Strategic Strait of Hormuz were damaged in suspected attacks, forcing the sailors to evacuate. It's the latest mysterious incident involving tankers amid heightened tensions between the U.S. and Iran. The cause of the blast was unclear. One operator said it suspected its ship had been hit by a torpedo. Last month, the U.S. alleged that Iran used mines to attack four oil tankers. Iran denied responsibility. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders called for a 21st century economic bill of rights in a speech billed as a major address about the historic role of democratic socialism. Sanders called for a right to health care, a quality education, affordable housing, a clean environment, and to a secure retirement. In the speech, Sanders noted that while Trump may criticize democratic socialism, he and his billionaire boosters are the recipients of corporate socialism.
2: And that is the
3: difference between Donald Trump and me. He believes in corporate socialism for the rich and powerful I believe in a democratic socialism that works for the working families of this country.
0: Sanders is the author of legislation to create a Medicare for All system, expand Social Security, and protect pension benefits. The House Intelligence Committee has subpoenaed two former Trump officials who pleaded guilty and special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia probe. Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff said the panel has subpoenaed former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and former Campaign Deputy Rick Gates. Former White House Communications Director Hope Hicks has agreed to a closed-door interview with the House Judiciary Committee, according to two people familiar with the deal. The interview reportedly will be held June 19th, and a transcript will be released. The House Oversight Committee voted yesterday to hold Attorney General Bill Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt of Congress for failing to comply with subpoenas for documents related to a decision adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census. The vote of 24 to 15 was largely along party lines. Michigan's Justin Amash was the only Republican to vote with Democrats. Amash has said he supports an impeachment inquiry against President Trump. During debate on the contempt motion, Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib said she wants to see a secret memo reportedly written by a Commerce Department official and hand delivered to an assistant attorney general. The committee says that memo contains critical information about the origins of the citizenship question.
1: This is very racialized. This is because you don't want communities like mine being represented here in this chamber equally. This is corruption at its core. Well, I'm sorry, I want to see the memo, Mr. Chairman. I have a right to see the memo. My district wants to see the memo. And maybe your districts don't, maybe not, but majority of our districts want to see the memo. We want to know what this political appointee's true intent was. Is it really about citizenship? No, it's about reducing the number of people of color in this country being counted in the census. That's exactly what it's about, because you want to cheat. He wants to cheat, Mr. Chairman.
0: Before the committee vote, President Trump asserted executive privilege over the requested documents. The British Home Secretary says he has signed an extradition order that would send imprisoned WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to the U.S. if British courts approve the extradition. The Trump administration wants to force Assange to face U.S. espionage charges for publishing secret documents hacked from the Pentagon. WikiLeaks exposed evidence of possible U.S. war crimes. I'm Eileen Alfandary. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica
2: Radio. This is Market Press God host of Sojourner Truth. And Danny Glover is waiting to speak with us about uh, Haiti. And, of course, he is actor, producer, humanitarian, chair of the Board of Directors um, for TransAfrica, former chair of the Board of Directors for TransAfrica. His film credits include Lethal Weapon, Beloved, The Royal, Tannenbaums, and Dream Girls. Uh, recent, he's been a number of recent films and upcoming. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. He has been an activist in movements in Haiti and the continent of Africa, also Venezuela, but indeed throughout Central and Latin America. His work is indeed uh, global. For six years, he was a Goodwill Ambassador for the United Nations Development Program and focused on poverty, disease, and economic development in Africa, Latin America, and the Caribbean. In 2006, the Directors Guild of America honored Danny Glover for his advocacy of education and health care. Access in the United States and on the continent of Africa. And he is beloved by black communities across the world, but also uh, fans, of course, um, by just about everybody. Danny Glover, welcome back to Sojourner Truth. It's been too long.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much, Margaret.
2: Okay. Uh, Danny, what we're going to do is we're just going to do a short clip uh, from Vice Mm -hmm. News on the
1: recent protests in Haiti.
5: Students in Haiti's capital march today to mourn a classmate allegedly shot dead by police this month. Their anger is symptomatic of wider fury with authorities in a country where jobs are scarce, inflation is high and successive governments have been accused of skimming money from the people. Protests against President Jovenel Moïse started last year, after a Senate report accused officials and private companies of embezzling nearly $2 billion from the sale of oil. The oil came from Venezuela's Petrocaribe scheme, which sells to Caribbean countries at a low cost up front and gives them decades to pay the rest. After the 2010 quake, the loan became a critical way to fund urgent and essential reconstruction projects. You are responsible for tackling corruption in Haiti. Yes, they have some projects in
0: the cities and they, they don't have the, the project. Companies receive the money, but they don't have the project. I discover in the report that all the government are spend badly
5: all the money. Yuri La chairs the Senate committee that produced the report. It covered 2008 to 2016, when President Moïse's two predecessors were in office. The two billion dollars in funds were meant to be spent on projects including housing and government ministries. But it also said Moïse, himself the owner of two firms, received petro Caribe funds for the reconstruction of a road that never materialised. We're talking about Tens of millions of dollars. Where is it?
0: In individual pockets, in the firms, in uh, some administrators, some accounting.
5: President Moise himself.
0: President Moise, because he was not in the state, but he, yeah he, he, he had a, a firm. <laughs>
2: Alrighty, righty. So there you go. And our guest um, here is Danny Glover, uh, speaking to us on the phone. And Danny Glover, you ha- have spoken very passionately about Haiti. Indeed, you mm-hmm. always say that you are Haitian at heart. Uh, you uh, traveled to South Africa and took the flight back with President Jean-Bertrand Aristide, who had been deposed in a U.S.-backed coup upon his 2011 return. Turned to Haiti, and you were in Haiti very, very recently. But before we talk about your impressions of on your recent trip, uh, tell us why you have this view about Haiti, why you say you are Haitian at heart, and talk a little bit, too, about Haiti's history and how it has symbolized black liberation and also black rebellion. Danny Glover.
3: Well, there's so many reasons why. Maybe, perhaps, the great Frederick Douglass was the one, the first, referred to himself as a Haitian at heart, because of the extraordinary uh, power of resistance and how the Haitian people have demonstrated that throughout slavery, the various uh, 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 revolts that happen. Uh, the Mackendall Revolt, the revolt that happened before the revolt in 1791, which eventually led in 1804 to the independence of Haiti. And the first black nation in the hemisphere, the first independent black nation in the hemisphere, the first ever in human history that slaves revolted and form their own nation. That has never happened in human history. And of all of those who understand the value of revolt, revolution against injustice, against brutality, and in the service, service, the service of humanity, we celebrate the Haitian Revolution as a landmark. The Haitian Revolution is celebrated everywhere in the Caribbean and Latin America. It was Haiti, under the leadership of, 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 of his president in 1813, uh, who provided money for Simone Boulevard. Uh, André Peixion, who provided, uh, provided money for Simone Boulevard to liberate South Latin America, South America, from Spain, it was Haitian blood that's in the liberation of South America, providing them with arms, provision, and Haitian citizens. So you would want, you, you, you see a, a, another kind of internationalism and another kind of relationship to uh, injustice through the Haitian people throughout its history. Whether it's in this rebellion against European powers and defeating the Spanish, the French, the British, and and eventually uh, uh, the expedition sent by the, uh, Napoleon, yeah, those are the reasons why we celebrate the the Haitian Revolution. It had an enormous impact on also the abolition movement within the United States. That's and right. And we have to understand the root of that. Um, it, it, we, we, could, uh, we, we we know also also that uh, um, um, Christophe, Christophe, Andre Christophe, the president of Haiti and one of the liberators of Haiti was at the battle, the Battle of Savannah during the Revolutionary War. We know that. That's part of our own history So there, there's so many ties to Haitians You know, even today As we talk about Haiti and, and the role that they play Within, I mean Haitians And the way, role they play In society, civil society The role that they play In labor, labor movements And everything And those are Haitian descendants Who are organizers as well
2: Right. And, and Danny Glover, I mean, you know, picking up on what you've said, after the Haitian Revolution, there was such fear of um, slave rebellions uh, throughout the Caribbean region and the Americas, and they had something called black fear. And it seems as though there's still quite a lot of that around. And in the United States, one of the largest slave rebellions, some say the largest, in 1811 in the area of New Orleans, um, Haitians were actually pivotal in that. And when their slave masters came to the region with slaves, the Haitians immediately began organizing with other enslaved people and brought them together in that rebellion. So there's always been a fear, I think, and is is obvious on the part of the United States and of former colonial powers of um, of Haiti and of Haitians and of um, Haiti uh, not succeeding as a as a as a democracy as an independent uh, country for uh, the they consider it a bad example to not only black people in the United States and throughout the Americas but to oppress people anywhere if Haitians can can rise up and and succeed in achieving their goals. Uh, Danny Glover, your thoughts on that
3: well, uh, certainly, uh, one, one, one of the, the the inspirations that that Haitian played was it, the revolt itself, the, the fact that they defeated at the, at at that moment in history the the most powerful army in the world, in Napoleon, and I, th- that the fear is is really palpable in the sense because Haiti, Haiti will always handle that that be on that pedestal continue to be on that pedestal its own risk resistance is a reflection in a sense of of love and justice its own resistance is reflected continue whenever you see here Haitian men and women and children and communities protesting you know that they're protesting. For what is just what is right And you know that they're protesting And demanding the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, What is entitled to them And so this is, this is a very It's very sensitive to a lot of people Because we don't know too much About the Haitian Revolution In this country we've been uh, For the uh, most All of the 20th century And beyond We've been uh, we 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 we've, we've, we've never we haven't considered the Haitian Revolution and the importance of the revolution. It's been devalued or almost erased from our memory, right. as 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 we as 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 slavery revolts as, as are. You 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 look at the slavery revolt of New Orleans and the brutal repression of that revolt. It's a well-organized revolt. Now, this is this is seven years after the Haitian, at, at Haiti had won its own independence, and and it was also important to understand that the as the the slavery, the new slavery, moved west, it it now moved into and it found itself at the center point of that new slavery. Found itself in New Orleans. New Orleans was the center of the new slavery, and from there, in New Orleans, slaves were slaves were were in Louisiana because it now was no longer a French territory; it was now a U.S. territory after the purchase of the of of of, uh, of the Louisiana Purchase of of 1804. Yeah. So oh, there's a very, very interesting connection between that. And as we talk about, this has happened also. This slave revolt also happened before the War of 1812. And in and, and, and that War of 1812, in which the U.S. attempted to annex Canada, they also, at, at, the, at the same time, were under siege by the British at the same time in this whole process. That's the war. That we found Francis Scott Key writing uh, our national anthem. Uh, This also the war in which they burned down the White House, as well the British burned down the White House. And 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 as as the British would say to slaves, enslaved Africans, if they join that resistance, a rebellion, if they join with the British, they will receive their independence, their freedom. Yeah. It's not independence are freedom so all this is a, it's a very very interesting part of of, uh, of of a whole a history of a country that's always romanticized its history right always attempted to, to diminish those victories of people you mm-hmm. know those and celebrate those victories of people it's up on us, it's up to us to celebrate those Brit victories of people it's up to us to know that the Denmark DC slave revolt was was with the attempt to comedy both ships in the Charleston High Harbor and take those ships to Haiti. Yeah. In 1823.
2: Yeah. So, so-
3: all all these all these are very interesting, and the tragedy is is that here are the Haitians, the the first semblance, semblance of freedom in the Americas, were the Haitian Revolution. The Haitian Revolution was the articulation of the, of the Constitution of the United States, the Declaration of the United States, the French Declaration of Independence, rather, the French rights of land, there, the Haitian Revolution was the actualization of those ideals.
2: Absolutely. And um, and fast forwarding uh, to now, uh, Danny Glover, you are actually going to be in Southern California. Our listeners in Southern California, quite fortunate. You will be in Los Angeles on June 15th at uh, a report back, a delegation report back uh, that you participated in. That's June 15th. And it's going to be at 10 o'clock at a McCarthy Memorial Christian Church and the address you you're not going to want to miss this at four one zero three West Adams Boulevard. And KPFK is the media sponsor of this event. And uh, Danny, I'll be there. Uh, I was part of the delegation with you, and also Pierre Labossier who is a fantastic uh, leader, a co-founder of the Haiti Action uh, Committee, yeah, yeah, yeah. and of course, of Haitian descent. Pierre is more from the south of Haiti. So Danny Glover. Uh, fast forwarding until today, we see ha- Haitians still being punished. We see, and 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 let me just let you you say your. Uh, your impression, and of course, people will be getting a lot more, those of you who are uh, able to come out to hear uh, Danny Glover this coming Saturday, June 15th, but just give us some of your initial reaction and and thoughts to this, and also I want to say that you were a, a good friend of the late Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, and you were also a good friend of um, uh, former Haitian President Jean on Aristide, who remains extremely popular on the ground in Haiti. So, Danny Glover, what was that like? It, it, it seemed it was just a few weeks ago, or something. I've lost track of well, time. It was just,
6: it was just recently,
3: I, I uh, also with the embassy, a friend, and, and with Haitian Emergency Relief Fund, as well as Walter Riley, uh, you and and I, 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 an ongoing supporter, friend, a true friend in the Congress of the United States, Representative Maxine Waters. We were on this delegation. She was the one um, who insisted that we go and be a part of this delegation to uncover what was really ha- happening, which is really what was happening uh, on the ground with all the, the news that we received or the lack of news that we had received about the, the protests and the murders of children, the murders of, and, and of, of men and women, the burning of women. Uh, and we've met women who you can see the facial burn, the scar on their face where they had been burned. So we, we were there to to collect information as as you had been there earlier, to f- collect information, and to report on what was happening. What you saw with your own eyes, we were we we, uh, uh, um, we 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 had this is where we we had this information more information available to us with the with the uh, with the delegation as we we, we visited the Ariste, uh University we also visited uh, 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 the Aristide Institute uh, we where we heard uh, witnesses women, uh, pr- women primarily who gave testimony on what had happened to them. We, we were greeted by, and certainly uh, greeted by the U.S. Embassy, which had its own analysis of what has happened. Uh, and, uh, but but the clear, clearly the information that we received uh, from the women themselves, those who had been burned, whose houses had been burned, and also, uh, we're, we're, we're very important in, in calibrating uh, not only what has happened in Congress, where uh, met, uh, <clears throat> Representative Waters brought that to the attention of the Black Congressional Black Caucus and as well as Congress itself. So uh, there's continued protest, and, 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 and right now, as you mentioned before, and that protest is, 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 is part of the... The spirit to bring real independence and real freedom to the Haitian people, to have them be the recipients of the of the the wealth and all of the the, the contributions that have been made to Haiti, uh, which seems to be have been uh, corrupted or disappeared and everything else. So those are the kind of things that that we we, we want to talk about. And we want to talk about how we get citizens here, whether Haitian and whether they're African American or whether they're citizens of our of this country more engaged in what's happening in, in, in Haiti. You know, if 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 what we had seen in Haiti, the testimony we had seen, you know, no not how but the testimony we've seen happen had happened in other other places in, in, in disfavor of US policy and everything else. And and an adversary of U.S. policy, uh, 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 policy. We, we it would have been reported all over the paper. Yeah, been in every single paper. If, whether the atrocities the, the Haitian people experienced have been reported all over the paper, all over every news service available. You'd have people on Meet the Press and everything else. But we the testimony we receive, you know. And I sound kind of I'm kind of emotional. You have to say it. it, 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 it and I sound kind of, kind of emotional, Jim, yeah, about this at the time, but it is, you know, it, is, it is something emotional. And you don't, you don't move. You know, change doesn't happen. We don't have the luxury to be dispassionate That's about right. about what is happening to, in Haiti. What is happening in the world? It's that passion that we need to have as we move forward? and and to bring justice not only to this country and the rest of the world, But specifically to the
2: Haitian people, yeah, and certainly none of us could sit on our hands. We all owe a great debt to Haiti, not only uh, people of African descent, but uh, people who believe in freedom uh, anywhere. And these massacres, Danny Glover at the event. You will see, we have just finalized the video um, that the taken by the Sojourner Truth team in La Saline, which one of the areas um, where people (laughs) were. uh <laughs> some burned alive left on the street to be you know eaten by wild animals etc yeah. yeah and you will see the the premiere of that and people who attend the event will see the premiere of that but danny Glover, we know that, how busy you are, and you just seem so tireless, because when you are called um, <laughs> to stand up for justice, you do. And uh, you you have been out campaigning for Bernie, I know, and I, and I know people are also going to want to know, um, you know, just very quickly. Well, well, y- well, I'm in South Carolina right now, and we have an event uh-huh. uh, in support of
3: Bernie's campaign, in Aiken's and Columbia, South Carolina. South Carolina's is important state. Uh, we we want to get the message out to uh, to all South Carolinians, but also also with that that the message to to uh, um, uh, you know to particularly black voters, African American voters
2: yeah and and Danny also I know people are gonna want to know um what you have coming up um i I saw a film is it the Bl- last black man in San Francisco? now you hail from san francisco danny yeah <laughs>
3: so, well, well i I think it's uh, people really warmed up to the Bl- last black man in san francisco
2: uh-huh.
3: uh, it's a beautiful film um uh, uh, I'm sure that many people who listen to. Uh, your program and listen to the Pacifica. Know about the film mm-hmm. and supported the film. Uh, it is a film uh, <clears throat> which, is, in, in some sense, put, puts up face, puts up front the whole idea of uh, the whole idea of what's happening uh, around gentrification, how the the population of San Francisco, uh, which had uh, been uh, as I grew up in the neighborhood of twelve percent. Is as many said low as four percent now. The population of San Francisco, the neighborhood I was born and raised in San Francisco. So sometimes I do feel like the last black man in San Francisco.
2: <laughs> right, and you, also you were in. Sorry to bother you. That film I that I thought was actually brilliant uh, by Boots Riley. It was ignored by the Academy. But so you're you're out there working and and you're doing all of this this activism well,
4: well, and campaigning.
3: I mean, I, I'm telling you, I've been so fortunate have young directors uh to be connected to young directors throughout my career or the directors who have a, who have who want to shift the narrative and charles Burnett with the sleep with anger was one of my first opportunities at that you know
2: uh yeah and
3: and and certainly the, the, these young directors Bruce riley uh who whose father was with us since Haiti that's right and Walter father, <laughs> Walter Wiley and I were students 50 years ago at San- <laughs> 50 years ago at San Francisco State wow and, and, and involved in this at the state the strike at San Francisco State University which uh, uh, which um, was um, led to the School of Ethnic Studies yeah so in some sort of sense it's beautiful to watch our children, you know uh, in a sense, take up the mantle as as filmmakers, as artists, as citizens, first of all, as citizens in the fight for liberation right. and the struggle in the struggle for liberation and
2: justice. Well, Danny Glover, when you come to uh, Southern California, this is an event um, that I'm involved in and and KPFK being the media sponsor and to all of our listeners out there, we want to honor uh, Danny Glover as well and uh, not only his talent, but also his commitment uh, to human rights and to grassroots people uh, generally. So I know a lot of folks are going to want to come out and Uh, see you uh, Danny Glover, but also, as you say, we have to figure out together uh, what we're going to do to stop these ongoing massacres for the um, the this U.S.-backed government in Haiti and the theft of the Petro Caribe money. All of us have to be accountable for it because it's also taxpayer dollars um, that are being used um, to basically hold people down. And we heard about how much money there was, or at least some some of it, Danny, when we were in the U.S. Embassy and uh, they were reporting about the various programs they were involved in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Danny, there's, we're going to hear a lot more from you this coming Saturday. Well, 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 I, think, I think excited. I think
3: we, we, we're going to have to connect what is happening in Haiti to what is happening happened in Brazil with the imprisonment of Lula, yeah. Silva, and the overthrow of that. And, and the, certainly the news, the recent news, about moral and the corruption uh, and and the role he played, as well as uh, the U.S. government played in the undermining of Brazil's democracy. Yeah. And so we have to, we have to really understand this right now. We we look over the region, we uh, we see what's happening in Honduras and everything else. We see the uh, of, of, of the thwarted attempt of Of a military coup in in venezuela uh and and still and still and 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 certainly <clears throat> certainly the fact that uh uh that the uh, the whole idea of a military uh, offensive in venezuela is very dangerous and present and real you know yeah. uh the uh, what's happening with these governments which changed the, the trajectory of their country uh, reducing real poverty poverty and extreme poverty in Venezuela in brazil all over the region all these governments all these governments are are on fire all these governments have have been which changed those dynamics in the, in the midst and using the public wealth using the wealth Created by, by, the, by oil, oil revenues, using that wealth in, in the service of health care in the service of education in the, in the service of building houses. how can you say a government, a government is illegitimate, illegitimate when it builds in a movement during the boulevardian movement has built more than two million houses of people, and it's there, it's real, you see it. Yeah, it's not any fantasy. It's it's not the kind of uh, situation in Haiti where Moise's government has as supposedly started to build things or a contract that took money to build things that never were built. It's real, you know, and this goes on. But that's 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 the kind. This the kind of transformation in terms of another relationship, a new relationship that that the U.S. has not only with Haiti not only with central america nicaragua not only with the caribbean cuba and 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 all the countries not only and also latin america this is not the monroe doctrine of 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 1823
2: yeah yeah, well, that, on, on that note, Dan, Danny Glover, it reminds me, you and I did a had a kind of a, a, a fire chat type discussion uh, some years back, and we've played it again because it's still very viable. Clearly, um, your uh, knowledge of history, you have a lot to say, you've been involved in so much, and I, I know your schedule is really busy, but just sometime, carve out some time so we can do another in-depth discussion with you, because we could keep this up for the whole hour. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I know. <laughs> so we okay. appreciate you, uh, Danny Glover and uh I'll see you on Saturday. See
3: you on Saturday. Okay, All right, safe bye. travels.
2: Bye bye. Bye, thank
3: you. Yeah,
2: And those of you who want more information about that event, you can go to uh, kpfk.org and, uh, you know, just get there. It's 10 o'clock. Try to get there as close to 10 o'clock as possible. Make sure you do get a seat. There'll be a premiere of the video of um, the victims of the La Saline um, massacres in Haiti. But they're also protagonists. You're going to hear inspiring stories of people who are also fighting back. That's this Saturday, June 15th at 10 o'clock for our listeners in Southern California with Danny Glover, uh, Pierre Laboisier and, and me. That's Margaret Prescott. We're going to take a, a very short station break. Uh, when we come up, uh, we'll be focusing on Honduras uh, with Annie Bird. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: This is Danny Glover. You're listening to Sojourner Truth with my friend Margaret Prescott. Radio powered by the people. Oh, 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 oh,
2: And the music from Honduras, it's Barasegu by Libana Maraza. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. If you're a member of Facebook, like and friend us on Twitter. Facebook, our handle on Twitter and Instagram, at so True Radio, And we're also uh, worldwide on SoundCloud. Just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. By the way, all of our back shows are archived there. So if there's anything you missed that we've done on, on Haiti or Venezuela or, or any other topic, uh, you can go to SoundCloud to find out. And today we're going to give a shout out to to our SoundCloud listeners um, throughout Central America. Our SoundCloud listeners throughout uh, Central America and in the United States, our SoundCloud listeners in Newark, New Jersey. A shout out to New Jersey uh, today. We are now going to turn our attention to... Um, Honduras, where just like in Haiti, people are rising up against a U.S.-backed government um, that have imposed poverty and violence onto the general population since late April. Tens of thousands of students, teachers, doctors, and medical workers have been holding regular protests against the privatization of education and medical services. The protests sparked to defend uh, public health and education programs have flourished into mass and sustained uh, national protests demanding that the U.S.-backed President Juan Orlando Hernandez uh, step down. Uh, and here to discuss all of this with us, I'd like to welcome Annie Byrd, director of the Guatemalan Human Rights Commission. Annie Byrd, welcome. Well, thank you. Um, let me just
6: say I'm honored and also a little intimidated to follow up on
2: Danny Glover, but right? <laughs> oh no, not not at all. Because you know when it, uh, you know I like to put in, in a lot of ways Honduras and Haiti together. Haiti, the most impoverished region. Honduras, the second most impoverished region, and also uh, two countries where U.S. backed coups took place um, against Jean Bertrand Aristide in Haiti, and also again in Honduras against Manuel Zelaya. And what both of those leaders did prior to being deposed, they will try to raise a minimum wage and make life uh, better for people in their country. So, um, Annie, tell us what is happening uh, on the ground now, and and what the reaction of the Hernandez government has been.
6: Well, so as you said, there's been um, massive protests in Honduras, particularly in late May, but you know, beginning you know, all through May. Um, There's this national platform in the defense of health and education um, against efforts to sort of, to privatize um, public education and and, and public health care, and this has really been promoted by, uh, strongly by the the International Monetary Fund, you know, in conjunction with multilateral development banks like the uh, Inter-American Development Banks that have, uh, that the U.S. plays a large part in Um, you know, as an investor and co-owner of of those banks. Um, So the Honduran people, you know, are also just really fed up with um, the, you know, essentially despotic rule of a president that they didn't elect, um, that's only been able to stay in force because of um, support from some sectors of the military. You know, Annie, um, when
2: you and say that didn't elect, I, I remember following that presidential race. And indeed, the candidate that was supported by the movement at one point was leading by an overwhelming uh, number of votes. And it was being reported, even in some mainstream medias, um, that Hernandez would be defeated and then all of a sudden everything flipped and he won what the heck happened well there was
6: uh essentially a blackout um where all of the computers went down when opposition candidate salvador natrello was was winning um and then when they came back online over a day later um the, the results just changed dramatically and it was just statistically impossible for um the kinds of changes To happen that they were reporting as having happened, and even the Organization of American States observer mission, which very rarely takes strong positions on on uh, on elections, basically said in their report that it was impossible that you know that that these elections had to be repeated that the results of the elections were not verifiable
2: and yeah it was just stolen let's let's just face it and and it then stolen. for people who have been focusing you know trump has been focusing on the the whole migrant caravan etc to get some understanding of um just the level of poverty and violence which is getting worse in in Honduras according to the world bank more than 60% of the honduran population lives in poverty it's more than 60% and in rural areas one out of five Honduras live in extreme poverty, that's less than $2 a day. Um, So... Just we we're sorry we're a little short of time, uh, Annie. We had hoped to have a little longer time uh, for this uh, segment, but just give some final thoughts now from you. And also, if people want to find out, um, you know, to get updates about what's going on in Honduras, if you know, if you have any suggestions to share with us.
6: Yeah. So um, basically, what you know. Conditions are unlivable in honduras and and they've gotten worse and that's because essentially a a, a, a cr- criminal networks that are tied to um you know businessmen the leading businessmen in the country who control politics who control the banks and also tied to death squad networks that are linked to drug traffickers and the military and the police um are, yeah, sounds like you know, Haiti. The, are, <laughs> Yeah, they're essentially responsible for the levels of poverty today, yeah. um, and sort of the levels of corruption that are forcing that are you know making the public institutions not work, like the healthcare system. And instead of combating that problem and calling attention to that problem, and you know the IMF and and the multilateral development banks um, push forward false solutions, um, which are essentially emp- further empowering and financing. Yeah. The businessmen who are responsible for the violence and the corruption, and uh, giving yeah, them including
2: the murder of of corruption. environmentalist yeah, think- Berta Cáceres also
6: exactly, and many other people. Mm-hmm. You know, many yeah. other you know uh, human rights defenders. and I've worked closely on Berta's case for years, and it's a really important sort of parad- paradigmatic case that shows how these criminal networks work. But what that means is that Hondurans don't have access to health care and they don't have the access to education. They know what's going on. They know what's going on. It's obvious. Yeah. And they're protesting. They're demanding change. And in response, they're being called terrorists. And they're being criminalized. They're being arrested and put on trial for illicit association. Uh, essentially being accused of being part of uh, criminal organizations when actually they're they're fighting the the biggest criminal organizations in the yeah. country um yeah. And so you know that's why they're protesting today and the US Embassy has taken a very active role in creating this false narrative of criminal actions by uh, protesters and even the burning of the tires in front of the embassy was a very very strange event there were more uh, (laughs) there's more security in front of grocery stores and see houses than there were in front of the US Embassy at the time that happened um, which has led everybody to really wonder. Um,
2: yeah, what? what, what who? Who really, who really? Who really yeah. set? Who really set that fire? Well, An- exactly. Annie Bird, I'm afraid we are um, out of time. We have to go on to our weekly Earth Watch, but we're going to continue to follow uh, what's happening in Honduras, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. And wrapping up our show, we're going to go to our weekly Earth Watch. It's back, and we are joined by Lucy Sherratt to discuss the spread of contamination of genetically modified organisms, specifically issues related to genetic uh, engineering and uh food uh farming she works in nova scotia canada as the coordinator of the canadian biotechnology action network they uh, well i'll have her tell us a bit about what they do and of course our weekly earth watch we partner with the global justice ecology project lucy thank you for joining us Thank you. Okay, so tell us a bit then about the Canadian Biotechnology Action, and then um, uh, briefly then we'll quickly go to uh, the concerns about GM contamination. Sure.
1: Well, the Canadian Biotechnology Action Network is a diverse a network of 16 different types of organizations in Canada, including farmer organizations, environmental and social justice organizations. So it brings together a lot of perspectives on what are the issues raised by using genetic engineering. So we monitor uh, all kinds of different questions, environmental questions, social and economic questions. And we work a lot with allies in the United States, including the Stop
2: GE Trees campaign. Right, and okay, so what, you know, explain to people what GM contamination is.
1: Yeah, so we could call it genetic engineering or genetic modification. We're talking about moving uh, genetic material around at the molecular level, like directly intervening um, in plants to change their genetic material in a way that's never been done before in the lab. And we we're very concerned that we don't quite understand enough to be doing that. There's many unexpected results when you move genetic material around. Um, And so, we're creating these new organisms, genetically engineered foods. There's a number of genetically engineered, genetically modified crops on the market. There's now a genetically modified fish, a salmon that's being grown in Panama and soon will be grown in the US. So scary Canada. Yeah, and so, you know, it's been twenty years that we've had a few genetically engineered crops like corn, canola, soy and cotton um, dominating the landscape in North America. And now, after twenty years, we see the world's first genetically engineered food animal, the salmon, and a great deal of push to get other types of organisms into the market, into the ground like genetically engineered trees.
2: Yeah, and the the thing is, I mean, I, I remember that uh, Monsanto, now bear that I think is such an evil <laughs> company with Roundup and all of that. At some point, they were actually, um, organic farmers were concerned that their crops were being contaminated with genetically modified um seeds on the one hand and on the other hand Monsanto was trying to sue them to say that they were illegally uh, using um, GM you know what I mean GM seeds so
1: yeah this, so it's one yeah. of the most obvious and fundamental problems with genetically modified seeds is that these are living organisms they will replicate they will reproduce they can spread and move around. We really can't control them once we start growing these crops or um, producing these animals even. And so we know to expect contamination, and yet our governments haven't assessed what that means because really the power of these companies like Monsanto that's now Bayer is so large and they've invested so much in the technology, and that is another fundamental Concern that we have is the degree of corporate control over these genetically engineered organisms.
2: Right. And, you know, now also that you have these fast food companies, um, you know, saying, well, they're now going to be offering these uh, meat alternatives, you know, on the one hand, a good thing, you know, people eating less red meat. But on the other hand, I really worry about how much GM products are, you know, going to be involved in this. And, you know, talk about danger, also the danger of these GE trees. I mean, our entire environment and food system might become contaminated as a result of all this. Just your final thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I think we definitely need to have a real debate over whether or not this technology is actually useful. What's the social worth of using genetic engineering? Do we need it? And this technology is often coupled with, yeah, a great degree of corporate control, the use of other pesticides. So if we look into the future of what kind of food and farming we want, is there a role for genetic engineering, or in fact, is this technology bringing us somewhere else entirely? And President Trump has just announced, well, signed an executive order to speed up the regulation of genetically engineered products, and so it's obvious that both in Canada and the U.S., the priority is to support the technology, support the release of the technology, but there's so many environmental, health, social And economic concerns that really the entire project needs to be. Uh, scrutinized and pulled back.
2: Yeah, and absolutely, this will impact everybody, but in particular, frontline communities, indigenous people, you know, communities of of color, immigrants, migrants, etc., people who can't afford to go out and, you know, to Whole Foods and Whole Paycheck and try to get, you know, eat organic, etc. So, um, we're going to have to keep an eye on this, and um, just for people, just, just quickly, we've got about 30 seconds, for people who are concerned about this and who want to um, stop this from happening, um, what would you suggest they do? Um, People could go to the website of the Stop GE Trees
1: campaign, uh, Google that, or go to cban.ca. There's lots of actions people could take, but, um, yeah. yeah, stopping GE trees is, is a really important priority.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so very much, uh, Lucy Sherat for joining us, and we appreciate uh, your work on behalf of all of us and the planet. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. We are out of time. Today's show produced by Margaret Prescott. That's me. I'd like to thank our uh, all of our guests our, and our audio engineer, Mr. T. Teddy Robinson, our assistant producer, Romero Funes. If you'd like a copy of today's show, contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. A lot going on. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.
4: KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the 2019 Juneteenth Celebration on Saturday, June 22nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Clark College Hannah Hall in Vancouver, Washington. The theme of the 7th Annual Juneteenth Celebration is Together We Rise. This theme addresses the idea that together we rise above the fray of hatred, despair, and discord. The celebration features a job fair, panels, awards, contests, an art gallery, live entertainment, and more. Again, that's the 2019 Juneteenth celebration on Saturday, June 22nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Clark College Hannah Hall, 1933 Fort Vancouver Way in Vancouver, Washington. More information can be found at KBU.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
0: KBOO Community Radio is hiring a news and public affairs director to manage the evening news and public affairs programming and to train and supervise volunteers. For this full-time position, we're looking for someone with proven experience in news and public affairs production, management and supervisory skills with volunteers with an emphasis on teamwork in a collaborative setting, and ability to work under strict deadlines. KBOO Community Radio is an equal opportunity and affirmative action employer. People of color and women are encouraged to apply. The deadline to apply is Monday, July 1st at midnight. More information can be found at kboo.fm employment.
4: This is KBOO Portland. It's 9 o'clock, and that means it's time for the beloved community with host John Shuck speaking live with filmmaker Massimo Masucco about his latest documentary, American Moon. At 10, Patricia Welch talks to the Vancouver NAACP about their upcoming Juneteenth celebration. At 10.30, Film at 11 welcomes Just Jess of the Monday Sampler to discuss some recent Netflix movies, including Unicorn Store and Rim of the World. At 11, The Digital Divide features Rabia Yaman speaking with author George Dyson about his book, Turing's Cathedral, a story of how the most constructive and most destructive of 20th century inventions